From KCRW, this is Lost Notes. Hey friends, meet Richard Parks. Hey, remember back in the 80s, like when we were kids, and like almost every fast food kids meal you could get had a flexi disc in it? No, I do not remember that because it took a whole decade to convince my mother to even let us walk by a McDonald's. I'm Solomon Giorgio. Richard is a food writer and a documentary filmmaker. And you're holding one right now. What, What does that look like? It looks like a postcard. It's the size and shape of a postcard, but it has a very thin sheet of vinyl plastic on one side. With the circular grooves that you would have on a record. I'm so concerned that I've gotten so many of these during the 80s and did not realize that it was a record. Well, you might have. You might have. Yeah. Because at one point, McDonald's printed 80 million of these things. And Richard tells me someone almost threw out a very, very valuable flexi disc. Somehow, it was worth $1 million. From KCRW, this is Lost Notes. It was a cold day in Galax, Virginia in 1989, and a boy named Scotty Landreth was home alone looking for something to start a fire with in his family's old wood stove. Rifling through a stack of old newspapers, Scotty noticed something shiny and black. A record. He was excited. He'd recently gotten a record player as a gift, but he hadn't played any records yet. He didn't come from much. He didn't have any records. All his clothes were hand-me-downs. So he put the record on, dropped the needle, and a song began to play. By the time the song ended, Scotty made a beeline for the telephone. His family had just won a million dollars. So when I say record, what I'm really talking about is a flexi-disc. A slight, flimsy piece of vinyl or vinyl-coated paper, slimmer than a 45, that you can put on your turntable and play. They come in all shapes and sizes. They were mailed out as postcards, stitched in the spines of magazines. And in the 80s, fast food loved the flexi. At one point, every kid's meal served at Burger King came with one of several flexis recorded by ALF. Those girls! Those Melmac girls, they're out of this world. And in response to that campaign, McDonald's went even bigger with flexies, printing 80 million in a single go. 80 million. By comparison, the Eagles' greatest hits sold a paltry 29 mil. And if you're the type that finds peaceful, easy feeling a little cloying, well, just wait until you hear the McDonald's menu song. Morning class. Today we're going to learn the McDonald's menu song and give a listener out there a chance to win a million dollars. So repeat after me. Repeat after me. No, no. No, no. Uh, okay. Okay. Here goes. Here goes. Big Mac McDLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty golden fresh fries, regular or larger. Sweeter than the tangy barbecue sauce that comes with your chicken McNuggets. So, in all but one of the 80 million flexies, the singers on the song flub the words and don't finish the song. But on one record, the winning record, they sing it correctly all the way through. I'd never heard it this way. The only people who have heard it all the way through correctly are probably the winner and some suits who verify golden ticket record contests at McDonald's. Oh, we're so sorry. The person listening to this record didn't win the big prize. But tell him to check out those coupons. Check out those coupons. And get him down to McDonald's.
So I was looking into the history of Flexies, and very quickly I discovered the story of Charlene Price, who was the winner of this famous McDonald's Millions giveaway. It was a single-paragraph news story from 1989 syndicated by the AP. The woman who'd won the money, Charlene Price, threw the Flexi in the trash along with the newspaper that it came in, but her son Scotty, the guy you heard about earlier, saved it, and it won his mother a million dollars. So after calling around a little bit, I found out that the million dollars was gone. And so was Charlene. She had died penniless on a hospice bed in her sister's trailer not too long after. But what still was in Galax was that winning Flexi Disc, the one in 80 million winner. Scotty had it, and I wanted to hear it. Which is how I ended up in Galax, Virginia the week of the annual Fiddler's Competition, which is now in its 82nd year. This is a place where people gather from all over Appalachia, amateur musicians, but the best of the region compete for cash prizes. And it's a pretty good party. That's what I ate for dinner. How do you get beers around here though? I heard you guys talking about those. This is what you call a bluegrass ramble. Shit, I have seen you since I went to jail. Do you remember a person who lived here named Charlene Price? Maybe. And she worked at the convenience store, which is called One One A Million Dollars. That's all I got. <laughs> I know nothing else. She like won a million dollars and died ten years later. That was a perfect example of why people should not win money. Because if you never had a lot of money, you don't know how to handle it. And if you, if you win a million dollars, you'll go out and spend a million dollars, then you're in trouble. There isn't much to Galax. It is a southwest Virginia mountain town, just under 7,000 people. There's a little main street of storefronts. There's some factories, most all of them shuttered, and then there's the four-lane, the highway, which is home to a motel and also, of course, a McDonald's. So the morning after the Fiddle Festival, I visit Scotty. That's the boy, now he is a full-grown man, who saved the million-dollar McDonald's flexi from going up in smoke in the family's wood stove. Scotty? How you doing? Richard, nice to meet you. Scotty lives in the Glendale Apartments, just a few modest buildings up on a hill behind the McDonald's. Hello, little one. <laughs> Going home with me. Scotty's wearing a black ball cap pulled down low over clear blue eyes. He puts his dog in the back room where he keeps these old computers that he takes apart and puts back together just for fun. And he plops down on the couch and tells me about finding that flexi. And I went in there and, of course, you know, you had the newspaper laying on top of the wood in the box. It was a big wood box set there that he'd keep wood in for that stove. And they started singing, and they got out of line once. And he said, okay. And I think all the records done that, just to freak you out there at first. He said, okay, we're going to try this one more time. And, you know, then they went to sing it again, and they sung it all the way through. And at the end of it, it said, you are a winner by chance of verification. So Scotty isn't sure what this record means or what he's won, so he immediately calls Charlene, who is working as a clerk at a convenience store in downtown Galax. 
about 45 minutes later, 30 to 45 minutes later, come pulling up outside, and I thought she's going to hide her plane in the driveway. I just standing there like, uh-oh. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what is mama doing here so fast? She don't get off till 3.30. And she said, we just want a million dollars. <laughs> Best day of my life. <laughs> Almost three decades later at this point, it's clear this is Scotty's most treasured memory. And the Flexi is his most prized possession. Because for that, it was working every day for a small paycheck. It was digging in change, trying to find enough change to get what we needed, keeping enough food in the house for everybody. And once that record came about and she knew what she had won, then all the worrying went away. Scotty keeps the flexi to this day. It's safely tucked between the pages of a little three-ring binder that is stowed in a secret location in his apartment. Is that the box of memories? That's all. All it is. A million dollars worth of plastic. <laughs> of course, I want to hear this one in 80 million flexi, but Scotty doesn't have a turntable. He says we'll have to go find one in town, but it's getting late, so we'll have to try it tomorrow. In the meantime, I meet up with Scotty's aunt Kathy, Charlene's sister. Kathy invites me to meet her at her church, which is a little single-room white steeple affair just down the road from Scotty's apartment. When I meet her there, she leads me into the basement, which is filled with racks of old clothes. I feel like I'm in, like, a second-hand clothing store. You are. You are. This is our clothes closet down here. Our food pantry is in the back. People can come here once a month and get food, or if they're in dire need, they can come more than that. Kathy's got these little glasses pushed down to the tip of her nose, and she's got, like, a little shock of, like, short gray hair. She's a little bit slighter, maybe, than her sister Charlene, our subject, based on the photos that I've seen. What were those first few days like for her? A whirlwind. You know, it's kind of like when you're going to wake up from this dream, but you realize that it's not a dream, that it's actually real. We're talking about a country girl. You've seen Galax. This is different than what we grew up in. Somebody said that the house didn't have any running water? Oh, yeah. i tell you what, honey. <laughs> we had a wood stove. And i tell you what, if that wood stove wasn't red, that house didn't stay warm. It was cold. To collect her winning, Charlene flew to Chicago. It was her first time on a plane. She stayed in a hotel with golden faucets, and she filmed a commercial for McDonald's to further promote the campaign, and Oprah's stylist did her hair. And when she came home to Galax, she married the love of her life. She got married in a pink and white beautiful wedding dress. It reminded you of Cinderella. Now, to be honest, that's about the only way I can describe it. You should have seen the flowers. It smelled absolutely beautiful. When Charlene bought the grocery store where she worked, which had been called the Hop-In, Charlene Price changed the name to The Price is Right. Her former boss started working for her. She hired most of her family to work at The Price is Right, and she started a credit system for those in need. It was the happiest that I've ever seen my sister. The next day I meet up with Scotty for lunch and bizarrely, or maybe not bizarrely, he suggests McDonald's. He's been coming here regularly since he was a kid. So I'm gonna get a double quarter pounder meal and a 10 piece nuggets. 
And what may I get you? I guess I'll have a, a Big Mac meal. Thank you so much. Dr. Pepper. Mm. <laughs> mm. It's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. If I can win a million dollars on there, I'd be good to go. She didn't really hardly eat here much anyway. <laughs> Scotty is one who likes to muse about what he'd do with a million dollars. I mean, he found the Flexi after all. He wasn't old enough to collect the winnings. He says his mom gave him $10,000 once, but it didn't last. And some years after she won the money, Scotty ended up working at this very McDonald's just to get by. Was there any part of you that felt like you deserved that money? Oh, that was part of me who wanted to deserve it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I was younger, yeah. I was like, well, I want it. Scotty didn't even get to go to Chicago with Charlene. That hurt my feelings. I still haven't been to Chicago. I've never seen Chicago. Never even seen the place. On the internet. <laughs> that trip to Chicago might have been the high point of Charlene's life. Things unraveled pretty quickly after that. A few years after buying the town grocery store, Charlene sold it at a loss. Some say family members stole from her. She took too many lavish vacations, or she just didn't know how to use the money. She sold the annuity at some point to get a larger lump sum up front in lieu of smaller regular payments, but then her marriage fell apart, and then she met another man. The more she spent, the happier he was. A man who had settled in Galax from somewhere else, though no one could quite agree or determine from where. When I noticed her buy him the first new truck, I started getting a little aggravated. And then she bought him another new truck. How many trucks do you need? And then when I found out he was going to Texas, I went up by there before he went to Texas. That's when I seen the back end of him piled full of toys, clothes. I mean, just everything. It was packed full. Scotty shows me a photo of the man in question. He sprawled out on a bed, fanning a huge stack of bills and mugging for the camera. He was a lot more intelligent than what she realized. He played stupid, played ignorant, but he wasn't. He was arrogant, and he took everything she had. He literally wiped out, in one day, both bank accounts and left her penniless. And after that, Charlene was diagnosed with an extremely aggressive ovarian cancer. Do you know how big a, one of the, the helium balloons are, the big ones? They started slicing her open and that come out of her. So <laughs> there was a friend that walked in before we left the hospital. And she was talking to Charlene. And she looked at me and she said, what are you doing? I said, making arrangements to take her home. And she looked at Charlene and she said, well, why are you going back to Kathy's? And Charlene put her head down, and she turned, and she looked at me. And she said, why is she leaving the hospital? And my answer to her, she's going home to die. She moves into her sister's trailer, and she spends the remaining weeks of her life sleeping on a hospice bed. <laughs> Scotty keeps a poor quality digital transfer of an old VHS tape on his computer's desktop. 
Could you just describe what we're looking at? Last Christmas I ever seen my mom. <laughs> she didn't hardly have any hair on her head because the the chemo was making it come out. Now that was one of those, what do you call it, a turban or whatever, had the hair built into it. It's one of those things where if you know it's their last Christmas, it's kind of hard to get them something for Christmas. Some of them got her cooking stuff. She always liked stone cold on wrestling, so my Christmas gift that year was a big throw of stone cold on it so she could cover up with it. What are you thinking? Wishing I could have spent one more with her. At least one more. What keeps you revisiting that? Missing her. Sometimes, you know, I have questions to ask her, you know, of everyday life. Objects mean a lot to Scotty. A VHS recording of his mom's last Christmas. A flimsy old flexi-disc. A piece of history, really. Do you believe in luck? Ever since that record, I do. That's pretty much what that was, luck. I believe things happen for a purpose, yes. And I think about how close. If Scotty hadn't have went up there, if he hadn't have been curious, if he had not have dug into that damn box right there beside the stove, that record would have been burned. They would have used it to start a fire with. There went a million dollars, poof. And I stop and I do and I think, well, would it have been better if it would have went that way? There's somebody else that I'd like to talk to to help fill out Charlene's story. Her daughter, Tammy, Scotty's sister. Scotty actually doesn't want me to talk to her. He says that she isn't trustworthy. What are you thinking she might tell me? She's probably lying to you. She's the one that got it out of the box. And I mean, actually make it sound true. Scotty tells me Tammy is splitting up with her husband. She's been staying at the Galax Motel. Over text message, I set up a meeting with Tammy at a restaurant across the street, but then when I show up at the appointed time, she's nowhere to be found. Hi. Sorry I can't get to the phone right now. So if you will, leave your name, number, and brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you, and have a blessed day. Hi, Tammy. It's Richard. You did um, not get your message, either because you were not speaking or because of a bad connection. To record your message, press 2. Hi, Tammy. It's Richard. Um, so, I convinced Scotty to take me to the Galax Motel to meet his sister. Oh, so we're pulling in now? Yep. Yeah, you never want to stay here. That's my sister. Tammy? Hi, it's Richard. Well, come on in. You don't mind? No. Okay. Tammy's got piercing blue eyes, long blonde hair, and broad shoulders. 
She's the spitting image of her mother, Charlene, based on photos I've seen. And she's wearing a t-shirt with a bedazzled shamrock on it and the word luck printed in large letters across it. Scotty silently points out a bracelet that's sitting out on top of the chest of drawers. There's a photo of Tammy on it and the name of a regional jail. If you want a beer, there's one in the refrigerator. Did you already record him? I did, yeah. And just talking about your mother, you know, the money, your your lives. Oh, yeah, about when uh, we were sitting at the dining room table. Yeah, Mama played that record on the the record player in the living room. Mama was at work. I was at the house by myself, had my radio in the living room floor that day when I found out. Do you mind if we close the door? Nah. Or just for the sound? Okay. You remember things differently, Tammy? Yeah, I do, but I'm not going to say nothing. I don't think it's uncommon to remember things from 30 years ago differently, though. I mean, This is the first time I've seen him in six months. But if you won't come back in a couple of hours, you come on back. I'll give you my story. But there's one thing I can tell you. I never turned my back on my family. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought it. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we were just driving by and he said that's where she's at. And Shouldn't have brought it. I'm, I'm, I apologize. But you can come back in a couple of hours and I'll give you my story. Okay. Because the one he's telling you is not the truth. Okay. How did that go? That's why I don't come around her. Of course. I did have my proof as she went to jail. You see the wristband on the chest? Yep. How you doing today? Y'all doing all right? How you doing there? Hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Richard. I figure it's good to give Tammy a little space. So in the meantime, Scotty and I scour the antique shops of downtown Galax looking for a turntable to play this flexi. We eventually track one down. We set it up in the back of Bar's Fiddle Shop on Main Street, which claims to be the birthplace of country music and the first, quote, hillbilly band. Scotty pulls the record out of the notebook he's kept it in for nearly three decades and places it on the turntable. Place coin near record center if record slips, because it's like to weight it down, I think. The plastic is so flimsy, less than the weight of a piece of construction paper. Good morning, Paul Today we're going to learn the McDonald's menu so well and give a listener out there a chance to win a million dollars. Scotty catches my eye as the record is playing and points to his arm. And he has goosebumps, and the hairs are standing straight up. I'm waiting expectantly to hear this song in full for the first time. Here it goes! Here it goes! Big Mac McDLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty golden pressures, regular or larger size. But suddenly, Scotty's eyes go blank. And there's something wrong. It's not the winning record. Wait, but that wasn't it, Scotty. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, what? What? How you feeling? It's sad. Because <laughs> I wanted you to hear that. I wanted you to hear exactly what I heard that day. This was something that represented so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not even what it is. Yeah, well, another thing is my mother touched it, so I can't keep it for that sole purpose. All right, riding up to Tammy's motel right now. How you doing, buddy? 
Good, how are you? Hello, Tammy. Come on in, sweetie. All right, thank you so much. He was standing here lying. What was he lying about? He was lying about the way, you know, that the record was found, the record was played, and every damn thing. Did he let, it, let you hear the record? Actually, we went and found a record player, and do you know what I'm going to say? It wasn't the record, was it? Exactly. He ain't got the record. The only thing he's got is what he thinks is he thinks he's better than everybody else. So why do you think that he would be misrepresenting or lying about these things? Because he thinks that everybody should be, you know, for him on his side. If it don't pertain to him, he don't like anybody else being, you know, on my side. Nearly everything Tammy is telling me contradicts what I've heard up till now, including all the details about what happened to the money. She took care of us kids. She gave us $10,000 a month. I thought it was just 10000 once. Is that what Scotty told you, $10,000 once? Let's not go there. Because I'd soon smack a piss out of him. Because I got a lot of rage. Tammy tells me about how she was the one and the only one in the family who was allowed to go on trips with Charlene. Went to Oklahoma City after the bombing happened. And then we took off, okay, went to Hawaii. We took off and went to uh, Guatemala. We did go to Bush Gardens. Yeah, we went to Dollywood. Why do you think it was you who got selected to go along on these adventures? Because I'm the only daughter. And me and Mama know how to bar hop. Were these, like, extravagant trips? Well, yeah. Uh, were you in jail recently? Yeah, I was. I was in jail for two days. She tells me it's failure to appear for an assault and battery incident in which she was the victim. I got too many court dates already this month. I got one the 14th, Monday, that's in Hillsville, for another assault and battery. Then I got one... I mean, I feel for Tammy. She's obviously had a hard life. And she feels like her family has abandoned her in her time of need, sided with her estranged husband. They turned her damn back on me because of my husband, my soon-to-be ex-husband. Okay, blood's thicker than water. But if they want to choose him over me, then guess what? They can kiss my you-know, and I'm going to put it like it. I'm done. I'm finished with it. Mm. Don't need it. Poof. Ghost be gone. I leave the Galax Motel after dusk sometime with more questions than I had going in. Later that night, Tammy texts me. You made my day, sweetheart. You're an awesome person. And can I tell you something? I get all the texts at once when I'm back in the place I'm staying, and I respond, well, of course. But I don't hear back. Tammy and I had planned to meet at the furniture factory where she works the next morning. It's my last day in Galax. But when I show up, she's not there. Do you know Tammy Garcia? She was employed here from 6-8-17, and her last day worked was 6-30-17. So she only worked here two weeks? Approximately three weeks. Thank you. I don't know what to make of all this. Why would Tammy tell me to meet her somewhere that she actually doesn't work? It's like she wants me to know she's lying. And now I'm left wondering whether to believe anything she told me. 
I head down to the last beer joint on Main Street to get a meal on my way out of town. I had heard Charlene Price used to hang out here. Briefly, I consider the math on what it would have taken to burn through a million dollars one paps at a time. I order a cheeseburger that I'm told inspired the Wendy's menu item called the Carolina Burger. Do you know someone named Tammy Garcia? Uh, at the motel right oh, okay, now. you know, I might know if I've seen her face. Want me to show you a picture? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Let me see. Oh, this woman. Okay, I love that woman. She's a great woman. Okay, I didn't know who she was. She tipped me like, what, 50 bucks, I think, on a $20 tab? Yeah, I tried to give it back to her, and she was like, no, I know how it is. I don't forget the ones who tip extra well. <laughs> You know, for no reason. I mean, I wasn't anything but, you know, normally nice like I usually am. But, and I thought, like, you know, that day I'd have worked two days already with, like, $12 as my tips. And then I was, like, asking God to just help me. I had bills due, you know. And this woman come in, and I don't know. It's just, like, prayers answered. <laughs> and then, you know, she paid a, a family member's tab, which was, like, a hundred and something dollars. Scotty's best theory about why he actually doesn't have the winning flexi is that when his mother, Charlene, took it to Chicago, McDonald's must have kept it or possibly destroyed it for fear that there would be some kind of controversy over its legitimacy. Maybe Charlene brought back one of the other flexis to Scotty and said, this is the winning one. Anyway, we don't know what happened. Charlene isn't around to tell us. Scotty definitely found the winning record, and Charlene definitely won the million dollars. That's all a matter of public record. But the money's gone, and so is the flexi. You know the movie The Founder? It stars Michael Keaton as Ray Kroc, the man who took McDonald's from a mom-and-pop burger stand to the most recognized brand in the world. You know, I drove through a lot of towns, a lot of small towns. They all had two things in common. They had a courthouse and they had a church. On top of the church, got a cross. And on top of the courthouse, they'd have a flag. Crosses. Flags. Arches. McDonald's can be the new American church. When Charlene Price was growing up in Galax 50 years ago, you could work a steady job in one of the furniture factories by day and then play fiddle music all night. But then the four-lane went in, then NAFTA was enacted, and now corporations have moved the jobs offshore. One of the best places to work in town is at McDonald's, on the four-lane, across from the Galax Motel where I met Tammy. I wonder if, absent some of these changes, things would have been different. For Galax, for Charlene Price, for Scotty. On my way out of town, Scotty takes me by the house he grew up in. Yeah, it's run down a lot from what it used to be. The structure's in disrepair. It's rotted and weather-worn. A tree's fallen through the roof. We're nervous to walk inside to see the wood stove where he found the flexi. And as we wander the grounds, I can't stop thinking about that flexi. One in 80 million. And how it almost ended up in the fire. This is where you played the record. Yeah, right there. I had it sitting right there. I was going to listen to my new story, but I didn't have no records. That's the only thing that made me play it. If I'd had records, I probably wouldn't have played it. I'd probably just burn it up. And I wonder what Scotty's thinking, knowing that his most prized possession, which had represented so much, a chance for his mom, his place in history, turns out to be nothing but a flimsy old piece of plastic. 
bad thing about it, I still ain't got it out of the car, I don't think. It's still laying in there. I said, well, it's not that important now. Scotty's planning to come back out here with a metal detector. If he's lucky, he says, he might find an old coin in the fields. Maybe he could look it up online and verify where it came from. Maybe he could put it in a display and put it up on the wall in his apartment. He's not looking for something that would make him money, he says. Just something that he could research and verify and keep for his own. A real piece of history. Today's episode was brought to us by Richard Parks. It was edited by David Weinberg. Lost Notes is produced by Mike Dodge Weisskopf. Our executive producer is Nick White. Thanks to Marion Hodges for production assistance. Our show is made with the support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project. Our theme music is by Science Park. We have a playlist on Spotify with a ton of music from the series. Go to kcrw.com slash lostnotes to find it. I'm Solomon Giorgio, and there's no going back, baby. I'm just going to stand here and get the, the sound of the... Are they cicadas? What are they called? Beats me. <laughs> yeah, I just think it'd be, be neat to find something. <laughs> <laughs>